friends, you're listening to Make Out Already, a romance novel podcast. This episode, we're taking a detour from our usual romantic comedies into what we're affectionately calling a weepy horny book in honor of our guest, my spouse, romance genre newbie, and token white cis male, Ben. That book is The One You Fight For by Ronnie Lauren. It's the third book in her series called The Ones Who Got Away. The series features on a group of friends now in their 30s who were survivors of a high school shooting and how it affected the trajectories of their lives. So warning for you listeners, this episode we talk about some heavy content, including some real life experiences. But as usual, we cope with some humor. For those of you hanging in there with us, spoilers ahead as we recap and review The One You Fight For. Hey, Meg. Hey, Liz. Meg, today is a very big day for us. Is it? It feels like a regular day for me. (laughs) Today is the first time on the podcast that we have a man. Introduce yourself, male. Hi, I am Sud Man. This is Ben. Thank you guys so much for having me. I'm humbled and honored uh, to be here. Longtime listener, first time guest. I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> Wait, did you just take a shot? I did. Yeah, I got to yeah. get the blood pumping. You know, as as we get closer to 8 p.m. Eastern time, I, I start to fade. So <laughs> I'm just trying to rally for for you guys and the and the make out already team. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Meg, how do you know Ben? Let's see. I've known Ben since 2013. We've also been married for (laughs) four years, almost four years. Don't hold that against me. (laughs) I'm a little nervous about having my spouse on here. I am just watching Ben like a hawk because I'm waiting for my moment when he screws up so I can swoop in. No, my my mantra this this episode is to just say less and and be a listener and you know maybe a just a, a sounding board a different perspective uh, that you guys from what you guys usually have. So you know, I was talking about stealing your wife, right? Not about the podcast. I'm not. I'm. Oh, I wasn't. But now that you say that, it, it does make sense. Yeah, and it I'm was clear to sure. me. I'm not sure how hard she would fight to stay with me uh, if you're throwing her a lifeline. Take me away, Liz. (laughs) Okay, but in all seriousness, we're so happy to have you here. Yeah. Uh, And we read The One You Fight For by Ronnie Lauren because we decided that when we had Ben on that we would do, uh, I don't know what author was on the smart bitches podcast who described her books this way not ronnie lawrence but whoever that author is is Mm -hmm. weepy horny Mm, that's good yeah so (laughs) we were aiming for that with this one and i i thought it was a weepy horny yeah i was both weepy and horny Mm -hmm. ben what did you think overall about the book well if i can just throw my male stink on this uh right away (laughs) uh to quote Your wedding crashers right right uh to quote wedding crashers uh grief is nature's most powerful aphrodisiac and i think <laughs> there's like a kernel of truth to that 
Um, there, there were some heavier moments. Uh, I don't know if we're, if you're going to do a trigger warning up top. Um, but mm-hmm. yeah, it, definitely some heavier moments. Uh, but I actually liked, um, I, I, I thought it kind of deepened the romance, uh, a little bit. And I don't know if you want to get into specifics later, but I definitely think talking about a heavier subject matter did bring something to my level of interest. Uh, where if I know you guys do a lot of romantic comedies, uh, this was a, a little bit different vein, and and um, I, I appreciated that and and liked the book uh, a little bit more for it. I think. I do think that this was one of the heavier books that we've done. I I mm. know that we did an episode talking about a few Alicia Rye books, but it wasn't like an in detail episode about any one of them. And there are some yeah. heavier themes in uh, Girl Gone Viral. Mm-hmm. but this one was on another level I think that for the most part what we've read has still allowed an escape from reality and this mm-hmm. really didn't offer yeah. that you know it, I felt like the storyline was pretty believable um, for the most part so yeah it, it was not the normal escape that I come to romance for but I still really enjoyed it and it, mm-hmm. I thought it was really well done yeah so should we just hit the recap yeah and i actually am prepared to do <gasps> oh it. meg is doing the recap if unless you want to do it no i just finished it and whenever i just finish a book it's a little harder for me yeah um, you have to process it a little also i started reading this book before both of you and you both finished before <laughs> me <laughs> That just speaks to our, our social lives, I think. Uh, oh, or lack this thereof. is my social life. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm going to read this because I typed it out. Because that's uh, the only way I can have like a functional <laughs> recap. That's totally <laughs> fair. Okay, so Dr. Taryn Landry is running on fumes. Mm-hmm. Since losing her younger sister Nia in a school shooting during their prom at Longacre High, she has dedicated her life to fixing the situation. In her professional life, she's a researcher tracking down the factors that lead to gun violence in schools and trying mm-hmm. to develop a program to prevent that from happening. Specifically, then, she's a forensic psychologist. Yes. In her personal life, she spends almost every spare moment that she's not working. <laughs> trying to bring comfort to her parents, especially her mother who had a decline in her mental health. She is left extremely fragile after the shooting. Um, So after a health scare from trying to do it all and do too much, uh, Taryn is faced kind of with an intervention from her group of friends. And her group of friends is all fellow survivors of Longacre. Um, and especially her friend Kincaid, who's putting her foot down and making Taryn have some fun, live her life a little bit, because she's really just put it on pause for the last, was it like 16 years that they said? Yeah, complete the stress response cycle. Yes. So this fun that Kincaid is setting up for her <laughs> takes the form <laughs> of a local obstacle course gym, which is very cleverly named Gym Extreme. <laughs> That puts her face to face with a handsome stranger that she's been bumping into around town a few times. But this man, Shaw Miller, alias Lucas Shaw, is connected with her in ways that neither of them realize at first. 
he spent the last decade or more running from putting roots down, from connecting with other people, from his own mental health, and most importantly, from his family and his name, because he is also, in a way, a victim of what happened at Longacre, because his brother was one of the shooters. So he's been keeping his identity secret and keeping away from anyone that he could hurt. That's his ultimate goal. But Shaw and Taryn find themselves thrown together again and again and drawn to each other more and more each time. But when they discover who the other is, they're already neck deep in hormones. (gasps) And it raises some questions. (laughs) Yeah. It raises a lot of, um, yeah, this was a conflict that felt very believable Mm. as like that there's no way they're going to be able to work this out right and i actually feel like it was worked out kind of just real quick i thought that it was worked out pretty like more easily than i would imagine Mm. depending on the events in the book like what happened if certain events hadn't happened before that i would have thought that was a fine resolution but i don't know i'm sorry what were you gonna say I was going to say the questions that it raised for me. Okay. What <laughs> questions? <laughs> Does Do our tell. duty to the past outweigh the hope of a future? Ooh. How can you choose between your family and your heart? Ooh. And can love really conquer all? Meg, that's some back cover copy. Really, Thank you. Really Thank you. <laughs> I really tried to bust it out. This time. Very nice. That was a concise an evocative recap Ooh, evocative Mm -hmm. okay great yeah okay so do you want to talk about what we liked or we want to talk about our grievances first uh let's talk about what we liked first unless you have a lot of grievances that you want to get out off the top no i have a feeling that you two are going to have more than me on this one okay i only have what we liked no of your grievances oh okay but yeah let's talk about what we loved Okay, who wants to go first? Uh, I'll go first if you don't mind. Yeah, go for it. Um, I liked, well, really, I'm I'm a sucker personally for karaoke. So I liked anything karaoke related. Mm-hmm. You two both know this about me. I thought it's such a fun way to get people to interact because, you know, the first time that Taryn goes up on stage, you know, she kind of has like an out-of-body experience. Like this is something that she normally would not do. And I feel like that, karaoke is like one of those experiences that can get people to do that um it's it's like kind of a a moment when you're really on and like you see that person's personality I mean singing Mm -hmm. is something that's like very intimate especially in front of a group of people um so I love the karaoke um I I I did like I don't know if if you guys do this uh typically uh because I don't want to sound too much like the Chris Farley SNL skit skit where he just goes (laughs) that was really cool uh i did like the uh the sex scenes i know you know a closed Mm -hmm. door romance is is a thing and i'm grateful that this was not one Uh, (laughs) but i thought that the uh the romance scenes were very steamy Mm -hmm. um and i like those i i I just thought and maybe this goes back to the 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 trauma that both of these people were carrying like the unburdening of themselves and and showing who each other you know who you truly are, uh, I thought that that uh, added a layer of uh, intimacy uh, that, that I think really came through in the romance scenes. Uh, but those two, two things for me uh, stuck out, stuck with me. 
Yeah, I thought that, well, for one, yes, I was very happy that there were sex scenes. And it was such a slow burn that it could have gone either way where I mm. wasn't sure. And we hadn't really talked about it um, since you guys were further ahead in the book than I was, whether there were explicit sex scenes. So I was very happy for that. And the way that the characters were so well developed as completely like psychologically complex human beings um it wasn't it wasn't one of those books where you have an unlikable character or two unlikable characters who are somehow rooting for they just felt like real people with real shit yeah Mm. and i loved the friendship between taryn and kincaid specifically Mm -hmm. but more broadly with taryn kincaid Liv and Rebecca I think were the other women and yeah. then with uh Shaw slash Lucas and Rivers so I I thought that the characters the side characters felt very real and not just as like book one book two book three right. and book uh-huh. four yeah I agree I had the same thing written down that like I felt like the two main characters were real and that they were likable. We don't get that all the time. Mm-hmm. And that does it does make it harder to become invested in the story when you're not like totally rooting for them. And these mm-hmm. were two people that they had distinct voices. You know, there was no like confusion, you know, of the, the author's voice being too present. Like Taryn spoke as a forensic psychologist, like her, she was very therapy-ish mm-hmm. <laughs> at times, but that's consistent with who she was. And the same thing with Shaw, like it was always consistent. There was no like, oh, why would he do that? That doesn't make sense for him. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it, it really, it made me feel for them pretty deeply. And it also made me think about things that I hadn't really thought about, like we've all in the course of our lives, you know, known of someone who was affected by a school shooting. Mm -hmm. And I don't think I ever thought that deeply about what the experience was like for the perpetrators families. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, like I was, I was talking to Ben about this a little bit. I, I don't think I'd ever really thought about any type of, perpetrator family relationship at all until we watched the Ted Bundy tapes and they showed his mother and I was like oh my gosh what is it how do you cope with being the mother of someone who is a murderer Mm -hmm. and this really delved into that a lot more deeply yeah I think I've only seen examples of perpetrators families well really the only example that I can think of is in know my name by chanel miller she talks about Mm. brock turner's family and it seems like until the very end they just stood by their boy and what a good boy he was Mm. and that this was so sad that this was happening happening to him and so i haven't seen an example of a victim of a perpetrator's family member who felt like a real person and not a caricature which is not to say that chanel miller made them out to be a caricature I feel like her experience was very honest with how she saw them it, it's more like they behaved in a yes. caricature-ish way by right. not acknowledging the complexity of their son doing something horrible right right 
Damn, it's heavy. It is heavy. Yeah. Uh, we're going to get into, I think, my uh, personal experience around this issue, but maybe not right now. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So this is kind of unusual for us, too, in the sense that it's very serious, but also that we're jumping in with the third book in a series mm-hmm. of four, mm-hmm. not having read the other ones. And I also really enjoyed Kincaid and I kind of mm-hmm. wonder if she played as big of a role in the preceding two books or if it was more amped up in this because she is book four. Yeah, I wondered that too. So I, I'm going to look up the order because I actually don't know who book one and two were. Book I've one had... is Liv, book okay. two is Rebecca, and then book four is Kincaid. Is Kincaid. And it looks like... The first two came out in 2018 and the second two came out in 2019. Yeah, they've been published pretty quickly in in succession. Yeah. Uh, but I've had the first book on my Kindle for months and haven't gotten around to it. And I considered that when we were looking for a weepy horny, but the timing wasn't right because the hero was a cop character and I kind of <laughs> don't want to read a cop hero right now. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> for sure okay so i think i would though go back and complete reading the rest yeah of me series. too i don't know if you guys would maybe not like back to back to back because i need a little funny horny to mix yeah my weepy horny you need to wash this down with some alice clayton shenanigans <laughs> ever <laughs> wait didn't you read one of hers that you liked or was there just we read a book that you're like it's alice clayton if it weren't cringy to me i read Wallbanger. that was the first romance i ever read that was as such wow. and it's very slapstick not my bag i love Wallbanger. yeah maybe if i revisited it now i would have different feelings but maybe yeah. no i got meg that book for her birthday and since she hadn't read romance i didn't know what your particular tastes were yet <laughs> baptism by Wallbanger. <laughs> exactly Okay, where do we want to go next? Let's talk about... Want to talk about bookmark scenes before we get into grievances? Oh, so many. Ben, do you have any? Why don't you guys start, and I will fill in the cracks um, or or second-year-old scenes, uh, because I already kind of talked about the karaoke scenes um, that I liked. That's Um, That one's mine, too. mm -hmm. And that's, like, a recurring thing in romance. I don't know. I think it's just, like... One of those things that reveals a lot about how the characters work and operate and respond and think about things, you know, like that's why we like a big wedding scene. We like any kind of event scene and karaoke is one of those that, that show us more about that character. But yeah, the second karaoke scene when they're doing the duet, I died. I love islands in the stream. Number one. But it was just like their dynamic on stage. I could really visualize it. I was thinking of this like particular bar in my hometown and visioning them. And I I just thought it was great. And it was more lighthearted. Yeah. (laughs) One of the few lighthearted moments, although it ended up coming back as a bite of the ass. Blew everything (laughs) up. You had a moment of joy and levity in your life. Snatch it away. That'll teach Uh, you. (laughs) The karaoke moment and the fact that they're present in so many romance novels, including shameless plug for my unpublished romance novel in mine. Um, That's a good scene. Thank you. And 
Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, they had an episode with a song called Gratuitous Karaoke Moment, which was this exact dynamic of two people falling in love, singing karaoke together. Can I sidebar with a personal anecdote related to our guest? On our first date, Ben took me to karaoke and we sang duet sang Endless Love together. Wow. (laughs) Lionel Richie. So basically, you knew that you were it for each other, like right. (laughs) I think I think I knew. I I think Meg still might have doubts. (laughs) Oh my gosh! All right, Liz, what's your rereadable scene? Okay, Uh, the scene where the first scene that made a really big impact on me was when Taryn presented her program to the school board, Mm -hmm. and they were. Like, you know, thank you, but we don't have the budget for it. It's already been decided, yeah. We're just going to have some armed guards because that's a quick fix, which in itself is a thing that fills me with rage. The idea of a a good guy with a gun will stop a bad guy with a gun, which has been shown over and over again to be false, including in this book. And... It was at that point, it's already escalated. Like, yeah. you're put- mm-hmm. you have a broken leg and you're putting a Band-Aid on it. Like, yeah. stop the leg from getting broken in the first place. That's a bad metaphor, but that's just what I'm saying. No, I totally get that. And the school board members had clearly already made their mind up about it before she started talking. They just were listening to her as a courtesy. And her friends, who were also shooting survivors, were there watching her. And after it was clear that they were rejecting her proposal and she started to get emotional and Mm -hmm. break down. They all came and stood next to her and said, if you're going to say no to her, you're going to say no to all of us. And they all identified themselves as long acre shooting survivors. And I was really touched by that. Really all the scenes with their friends, like the scene when they find out about Shaw Miller being who he is and they Mm. automatically are like oh that's rape if he slept with Mm -hmm. you and didn't and you didn't know who he was and she explains no I did know who he was and they go from like instant horror to uh we're gonna support you no matter what even though we don't understand this but we've got your back I'm sure that your judgment is right on this Mm mm-hmm So those were the scenes that stood out the most to me, but I just also loved the ease of the conversations between Shaw and Taryn. Yeah. I thought that they were really sweet, and I like that he's a man who likes to talk. (laughs) (laughs) In specific scenarios. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. He likes he likes to monologue. He likes to narrate. Mm-hmm. He likes to yeah. ask questions. <laughs> okay, I think we might have some something to discuss a little down the road then. Um, but what do you uh, have? can I can I just jump in a couple scenes? Yeah. Uh, I liked the the first scene. I think it's the first scene when they're working out in the gym and the lights go out and mm. he like walks out to to like save her and then they fall in the foam pit or whatever um and that's like really the like the first kind of like sexual connection that they make and i liked that um i I think they do actually end up kissing and Mm -hmm. and then the lights come on and then they have to stop so 
I feel like that it was kind of like a slow burn. Like you're like building up uh, their attraction, their sexual chemistry. Um, and then, you know, coming back down and like realizing that's kind of what the whole book is. It's just like the struggle between, you know, the physical and chemical uh, need for intimacy and then the social aspects of like knowing who each other were um, mm, in the yeah. past and, and, and those two things conflicting. Um, and then another, I don't know if it's one specific scene, but another thing similar to the, the building effect of, of their intimacy was uh, their unburdening of their uh, trauma to one another. Like, um, I don't know if it was in the same scene when they both divulged this, but Taryn uh, let Shaw know that she was the one that let um, the two shooters in into the prom and, and mm -hmm. she's got the guilt with that. And not knowing Shaw, what they were going to do she exactly right. she exactly. thought that they just came to prank the prom prank or something right. because she wasn't having a good time and, and and wanted to you know get back at her her sister i believe for something yeah. childish uh and then shaw uh you know after his brother his younger brother tells him uh you know i think i think you're our parents favorite and then he's like well, why don't you do something about it and and a month later he ended up um shooting up the prom so I, I, I don't know. I, I just liked that back and forth that they had of like, you know, obviously they both feel really fucked up and, and they were able to like, you know, piece by piece, you know, get, get those, those problems off their chest. And obviously it ended up, um, you know, there was a happy ending, but um, I, I just liked that about the book. I felt like the, what's her name? Ronnie Lauren. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I felt like Ronnie Lauren must have, read or watched or listened to Brene Brown mm. because there was at one point I highlighted this it was like something about like the power of connection that was almost a direct quote oh yeah Brene that Brown. human beings need connection yeah, that we're social are wired animals. for connection yeah and and the thing about their relationship with each other is like they're both combating the shame that they feel right like, there, this shame, as Brene Brown says, thrives in darkness when mm -hmm. you don't share it and you hide it. And they're both revealing the things that they have have hidden for their own protection and for other people's protection. In this case, like the things that they didn't want, she didn't want to hurt her parents or anyone else by letting them know that she had opened the door for them. Mm -hmm. They're revealing these darkest parts of themselves to each other, and they're both saying it's okay. It's, you know, you're a good person. It was a mistake. You know, they're offering this like unconditional sort of acceptance to each other. And they both really needed that. There are definite shades of Brene Brown now that you pointed out. And that might be because of Ronnie Lauren's background. In her bio, it says that she has a master's degree in social work. And she spent mm. years working as a mental health counselor mm. before switching to, move, to writing full time. Well, yep, that tracks then. Yeah. And I... Along with the Brene Brown thing, another thing that she likes to talk about is people told, someone told her that people are just doing the best that they can. And she kind of set out to disprove that because it sounded so ridiculous to her. And then she realized through research and her own experiences that it was true. And hmm. that opens the door so that you can make a charitable assumption about anyone. Hmm. That most people are coming from a place of they're doing the best they can with what they have at that time. And if they knew better, they would do better. And that people aren't inherently like trying to be sewer rats. Mm -hmm. 
Damn, that's hard. Yeah, it is. It is really, really hard. It is something that I have fucking struggled with during the Trump years. Yep. Hmm. It's almost easier to assume the opposite, you know, that everybody thinks that way or everybody is. Yeah. Yeah. To think that people are inherently bad and then let them prove you wrong. Right. Yeah. So speaking about bad things, (laughs) do we want to talk about our grievances? Mm -hmm. I have some. All right. Feed me. Uh, Okay. My very first one that I thought for so long is how in the actual fuck did he not know who she was? And they cover this later where he says that he learned the names of all the victims. Mm -hmm. But how do you not learn the names of the survivors? Survivors. Because it sounds like there were only a handful of them. So it seems like you would know. Like that name, Taryn Landry, would would have come up for him at some point. Would have brought up some memory or her last name. Although I think that maybe he didn't learn her last name for a while. Yeah, he just knew taryn right another or no james with a z yeah, james, with a z. <laughs> james with a z how she introduced herself at the open mic night mm-hmm. another thing is and this isn't about the book it's a grievance about society which is that the zoom has removed the 40 minute time limit on our group meeting as a gift Hooray! yay thank you zoom the zoom gods have smiled upon us that's this one time (laughs) so um the fact that the oppressed always have to fight for their own liberation instead of people fighting for them like they survived a fucking school shooting and they have to be the ones doing these fundraisers and Mm. dedicating a life to research on preventing gun violence and social isolation that leads to someone becoming violent and Mm. it it just it's so relevant to what's happening right now yes and what's always happened it's always been like this through history it's always been the people who need to be heard who have to do the talking Mm -hmm. like there's no one fighting for them it feels like so that really that was a grievance i had with society and then uh nitpicky ones how can they have these really deep conversations in what i assume is a crowded gym and why would they because someone might hear them like they had a whole conversation at the top of that wall about who he really was and about the whole situation i was imagining that it was empty at that time yeah why because they haven't really opened yet okay but I agree. I mean, they're just like out there <laughs> in the open. It, it's it's busy enough that they have at least three trainers. Rivers, oh, that's Shaw, true. and that the female lady, trainer. Yeah. So yeah. they must have some clients. So that's I feel true. like there'd be like a person or two milling about. All right. Can we just pause for one second? Yeah. Can somebody explain this wall to me? I have I no cannot. concept of it. So like I was envisioning it like like a half pipe for a skateboard like on its side so that you'd have to like be above to see the rope. And I cannot, I can, that's, that's not right. I can't figure it out. No, and I, I, I've been to a climbing gym and I like at first was thinking like something like a rock wall or like, like you said, like an inverted where you would have to hang at one point. Yeah. But I feel like 
old dude. I feel like Shaw was like on his knees on the wall at some point, and like he obviously that doesn't work with up gravity. And yeah. fell backwards onto his back, which wouldn't really like work if he was like hanging over a ledge. I just could not visualize. Okay. I had a hard time visualizing the gym. Period. So I just looked up American Ninja Warrior and Wall to see what would come up, and it uh-huh. looks like I'm going to share my screen. Okay. I should have just done that. <laughs> but there there are blocks because it can oh, it's just like, like super point. steep. Okay. Now, I don't know if I'd have to watch a video, which I'm not going to right now, but the seams, like, what they would do is just run up it. Yes, they do. But he goes, he at one point he says, you've made it further than, didn't he say, like, you've made it further than any woman had made it? Yeah. That The thing you showed seemed like you would either make it or not make it. It's not like there's a certain like point I, I could have sworn there were blocks too that but i don't know on the I, wall yeah i thought no. so uh-uh. okay well i am not sure and i anyway. also <laughs> i would never run up a curved wall <laughs> in that would lead to me falling into a foam pit if i fell backward yeah or something. yeah okay. cool <laughs> But, you know, good for anyone who's that athletic. Mm -hmm. And then my last thing is that Ms. Ronnie Lauren overuses ellipses, which is a thing that I am guilty of, too. Yeah, she did do that a few times. I was very aware of the pauses when they spoke (laughs) for dramatic effects. And I'm just going to go in and, like, do a find and replace, like, ellipses no ellipses which was a minor thing it was just something that like halfway through i started noticing and being irritated by yeah i feel wants to go next i'll go so i only have one like sort of legit grievance which is like it's a sad truth that like we have an insane number of instances of school violence and school shootings Mm -hmm. and a lot of them that occur in different parts of the country from where we live, we wouldn't even hear about necessarily. Mm-hmm. So I guess I just question whether or not the media scrutiny would be as intense as they have portrayed it in this book because mm-hmm. it is very upsettingly kind of commonplace. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the news cycle, especially now, is incredibly fast. So right. I, I just kind of wonder if if Shaw did move to a different area of the country, would, would anyone really know? I mean, first, he's the brother of the shooter, not the shooter. Right. And second, I mean... And Miller is a common last name. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think about the most famous school shooting that I can think of, which is Columbine, the second most famous right. one that I can think of, Virginia Tech. I couldn't tell you the name of the shooter's. And either mm-hmm. of those, I couldn't tell you the names of any prominent survivors or, or any prominent victims. These things just fade from time. I don't think that it would have gotten, that Shaw would have gotten a national spotlight. Maybe locally it would have been some big news since yeah. it sounds like it was a small town. Right. I bet when you're, well, and I'd, I certainly don't mean to speak for victims, but I feel like in that situation, you might feel like everybody knows you. Um, mm-hmm. Like you might you might be putting a lot of that burden onto yourself and like thinking, Oh, they're going to find me, especially if you're, you attacked a reporter and, and decided that you wanted to live somewhat in hiding. 
I, I imagine that mentally you, you think that people are, you know, looking for you all the time. So I don't know. He was also an Olympic hopeful. So it's possible that he had some level of fame of recognition. Yeah, that's true. That's true. That, that makes me feel a little bit better about it. Okay. So my other grievances are really, really nitpicky. Yeah. Love it. So (laughs) the run at the beginning where Taryn has her like heart palpitations Mm -hmm. from, from exhaustion and dehydration and probably panic. Why? So they're screening the mm-hmm. costumes so that they're not triggering to victims of violent crime who mm-hmm. are benefiting from this run. Why would a run for victims of violent crimes be structured as a chase? Like, why Why would that ever be? <laughs> That's an excellent question. Appropriate. Like, talk about triggering. Like, <laughs> or, or maybe why would a run for victims of violent crime have so many participants that are willing to run past a woman who has collapsed in the middle of the yeah (laughs) and also the idea that if you are a survivor of violence that maybe you don't want to like even if the costume isn't scary maybe you want to know who everyone is around like masks Yeah. Yeah. yeah no masks yeah oh golly okay so that was that was the number one um and then my that's totally valid my other pet peeves are with the the pregnancies in mm-hmm. the book. So my first one was when they find out, I think it's Rebecca is the one, friend who is pregnant. Mm-hmm. I fucking hate that so much. Oh, yeah. <laughs> she doesn't get alcohol. Everyone else is getting a mimosa. She doesn't, she doesn't order it. But it's not because she, she didn't know. Pregnant. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, once you're pregnant, you just magically stop drinking alcohol. You just like, you know. And- Sometimes I just don't want to be a drunk piece of shit. Fuck. <laughs> like- <laughs> yeah. And then she thinks that the the bacon smells bad. There are lots and lots of non-reproductive explanations for something not smelling good to you and not choosing to drink. And they would be known to her. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, like, the fact that Kincaid's like, so you're obviously pregnant. We all know, as soon as those two things happen, we know it's because she's pregnant. Yeah. La, 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 la. <laughs> so it's like, oh, Kincaid, you you sussed it out. You, you're you telling <laughs> Rebecca herself. And she runs off to tell, I think his name is Wes or mm-hmm. maybe something. Good truck guy, yeah. Good truck guy. Like, surprise. So when in media, whenever anyone announces their yes. pregnancy after suddenly realizing it without performing any kind of tests or anything, that bugs the shit out of me. It's just a really big problem for me. Mm-hmm. Or it's then, just like, oh, I'm a woman and I threw up. I must be pregnant. And then yeah. jump up and down, high-fiving. Yeah. Yeah. So then I know I get why the ending, the resolution of the book with Taryn being pregnant, I get why that is important for them as characters because it was something that both of them had wanted in the past and thought like kind of written themselves off for Mm -hmm. for multiple reasons but i still don't like it (laughs) i still Mm. don't like it when it's like oh we're gonna have a baby we're doing the next expected step of Mm -hmm. our lives and this is what's gonna bring us back together i just i don't like that it's not for me I would also like to see the statistics on like how likely is a pregnancy with expired condoms, right? Yeah. Three years expired. Like I thought the the thing that make them made them expired was their proclivity to break. So which you they know said didn't yeah yeah it's I not like it like, accumulated over time. Yeah, it's not like 
okay, it expired, so, like, the microscopic holes in the condom get magically larger. Yeah, I, I also, that was, that's an interesting point. Yeah. But I also knew that was coming. Yeah. Like, when she immediately, immediately when she read the expiration date and she just said the month and not the year, I was like, oh, so they're expired. Mm. Mm. Bugs me. I didn't see that coming, but, yeah. All right, um, Ben, what you got? So, you guys, I just want to say you are really, not you guys, y'all. You are incredibly thoughtful with your grievances. Uh, I don't think that, like, hardly any of them came to my mind. Liz, you made an excellent uh, point about the oppressor having to fight Mm. uh, for their own, the the end of their uh, oppression. Um, And and I really like that point a lot. My first grievance, um, it almost comes as a piece of advice. Um, and I don't know if you're going to disagree with this. You're about to mansplain something? <laughs> I'm not. I am not going to mansplain <laughs> anything. It's not a piece of advice uh, necessarily to you all. I just want to give a shout out to my guys. If you find yourself performing cunnilingus on a young lady <laughs> or anybody, non, non-gender conforming individual, it, and you find yourself mentioning your buddy who you own a gym with you have gone horribly horribly awry and (laughs) you know that like it's to set up the fact that rivers is going to be walking in on them later but he's like he's going down on her and he's like i bet rivers is going to hear this it's like dude get get back down there like what are you doing it to me sounding like you're eating a bowl of ramen you don't don't need to have like a you don't need to have a moment like a discussion about oh, I bet Rivers would really hate to walk in on this. Yeah, probably, but that's what I'm saying. You don't need to say that. Like, say less, my good man. <laughs> that was that was my that was my biggest grievance. I and I am somebody obviously, well, not obviously to everybody, but I am pro pro talk. Canalingus. I well, yes, obviously pro canalingus. Oh God, pro this is what I was. Meg is like trying to like sink into I'm the like disassociating from my body. <laughs> Sorry, but like just some of the things that he was saying, uh, like I'm gonna eat you up and go back for seconds or something. Like uh, that, that was that was fine, I guess. That wasn't as bad as mentioning his dirty rivers. talk style wasn't doing it for you. Correct. Yes. Yes. I. I. I think there's a lot of uh, power in brevity. So like maybe just like keeping it short. I, I did like to go back to something I liked. I liked the uh, prolonged eye contact uh, in the sex scene uh, moments later just to do the Oreo effect. But yeah, I just had, I had- That's got choreography notes. Yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's funny that you say that because like, I, and I don't know if you guys get this way because like I said, you're so thoughtful and insightful on every aspect of the book, but- and this might just be me as a man like I feel like a lot of times I was on autopilot and then when I felt like a sex scene was coming uh my pupils would dilate and I I could (laughs) feel myself becoming more focused and I was like okay here we go and I was like rereading every word three times um I don't know that's that's just where I'm at that that was one of my grievances are you saying are you saying that the the plot of the book didn't grab you no, it did. It did. It really did. I'm just saying, like, it it did not grab me as much as the sex scenes. 
Okay, so this kind of leads me to another question. Since I haven't really talked to other men who read romance, mm-hmm. wherever they are, they aren't listening to us based on our listener demographic. There's at least a couple of them. There's 10%. Yeah, 10%. Okay. <laughs> Hi, male listeners. DM us. We want to hear from you. Yeah, we want to know who you are. Um, often when I am reading romance and we have the switching perspectives between um, female protagonists and the male protagonists, I feel like the authors that I'm reading are women. So I feel like they're still kind of written as a female perspective. Cause like sometimes I'm reading and I'm like, I don't think a man would never say think this. like this. <laughs> yeah. I don't think that they would talk this way. And like, okay, sometimes the dialogue is very real to me but I still kind of wonder about like the internal thought process that we're writing we're reading in that chapter so did that strike you when you were reading it I know not all men are the same I'm asking you to speak for all men but (laughs) I I certainly would not as a member of the council what I would not want to bear that cross as of speaking for all men I am a more sensitive man um I I did I, I noticed exactly what you were talking about um, just because I don't know I mean you're talking to somebody that reads Cormac McCarthy so like obviously oh, that oh, is like well. I'm not no I, I'm almost saying that as like a negative because all I right you're voted like, off the island let's go back <laughs> to the Hemingway circle jerk comment from last <laughs> yeah. episode see exactly, right? like, read episode folks I feel like when I say I read Cormac McCarthy I should also provide the number for my therapist <laughs> <you> know, <laughs> in the same sentence but it's just like it's not the the style is still to your point the style is still I'm very much aware that I am reading uh, a woman writing a man's perspective and I can't really pinpoint what it is uh, but like you said there were some some points when I was like yeah I, I don't know if this man would be having thoughts this complex I don't know if that's what it is <laughs> yeah like is he really thinking about that or does he just want to like get a slice of pizza and jerk off or something I don't know. But, here- <laughs> <laughs> but here's my thing I don't think that that's I don't think that's universal I think Right. Female. I, I agree. think women writers can write as men convincingly a lot. I, 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 I think that that's what writers do is they put themselves in other people's perspectives. So I wonder if this is just a function of their writing for their perceived audience, which is women. Mm. And, and I'm not saying she did, did like she missed on writing from Charles' perspective. It, it, I don't want to say that at all. I just, I think you, you made a good point. I think that. I honestly haven't given this that much thought, but it's an interesting question because when I write alternating point of view, I'm kind of thinking, do my characters sound different enough from each other Mm -hmm. to be individuals? And I'm not really thinking about, does my female character sound more female? Does my male character sound more Mm -hmm. male? And honestly, throughout writing my first book i ended up connecting way more with the hero than the heroine Mm -hmm. and i didn't think that that would be the case because on paper i have more in common with the heroine Mm -hmm. it's not like a self-insert situation but like suddenly i have red hair after writing a character with red hair so Mm -hmm. you know like that kind of thing um and maybe i'm just like i'm maybe i'm I'm revealing more about myself than about the writer, which is no, but I, I think that that's, that's very valid. I think that 
a woman writing a man I think there are levels of like how convincing it can be like mm-hmm. there are books where it's just like have you met a human man <laughs> 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 but um most romance writers who we've read do it pretty convincingly but they do yeah. seem all very like like idealized sensitive thoughtful yeah, yeah we don't read a lot of alpha holes well that i think there's enough of that in real life you know it's like yeah that's part of the escape exactly (laughs) why why would you want to burden yourself with you know shit that you have to put up with on the on the daily and 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 i enjoy reading about like a sensitive man and i I feel like she kind of drove that point home that he was like so attuned to her needs and like obviously that's incredibly attractive uh in a partner okay so do we have a worst half of this pairing this is tough everyone else can go first i'm i'm gonna say no uh you have to oh except i'm not going to either okay no i mean uh, (laughs) i well i'm definitely not picking against taryn um just because i liked her so much as a character um but i i i don't think either of them did anything like supremely shitty i mean like you said they were both victims so it's tough to like call which one is worse when they both have been through so much shit it seems kind of unfair yeah i kind of feel the same way and i think that's because in a lot of the romances we read the conflict is really the conflict in the relationship is internal like their their personality the flukes that they're overcoming and in this situation the really the the obstacle is completely external to them you know like they're they're dealing with this event that happened to them that was not originated by them uh and they're dealing with other people's perceptions of their relationship it's not like that one of them has trouble with commitment or you know it's mm-hmm. it's, right. it's so it's like hard to it's not based on any flaw in the characters necessarily my worst half is not really a worst half it's just the worst character and this is not very compassionate of me but taryn's mom just i was gonna say the exact same thing and i felt like i would be really empathetic with her as someone who struggles with mental health and anxiety mm-hmm. same and oh especially in the the big conflict scene with the two of them when when taryn has to say i did know who he was Mm -hmm. and i'm not gonna let him twist in the wind because he's a good person and her mom is just irate (laughs) and saying things that are horrible Mm -hmm. and it's not like the wound is i'm like okay this is insensitive. I was going to say it's not like the wound is fresh, but I'm sure for her it is fresh every single day because it was her child who died. Mm-hmm. But it was just really tough. And the way that they've like kind of held Taryn back from living her life, it, it, I resented it a lot. They very much have held her back. And Taryn has had to parent her mother a lot. Mm-hmm. She has structured her life around being, uh, making it a tribute to her sister Nia. Um, I hated that moment where Taryn tells the gravesite at the gravesite where yeah. Taryn talks about how she's going to try to get private funding for the program. And the mom refers to it talking to Nia's gravestone as your program. Like, 
Mm. Yeah, didn't put the work into the program. Like it's very mm. sad and tragic that she died, but this is Taryn's life's work. This is something that she took on out of her own need and her own compassion, her own desire to find solutions. And she's not being praised for that. She's really being praised as just like a, a living memorial mm. to Nia. It is expected that she she's she's treated as like it, it's just expected that she would l- devote her life to meet Nia's legacy. Mm. And- I thought it was really crass that her mom basically tried to guilt her for showing up late by talking to the gravestone. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah, your sister finally showed up, like talking to Nia about Taryn as if Taryn wasn't even really and, ta- there. and like slut shaming her daughter, like, oh, she yeah. was with a strange man this morning. Ugh. I hate Ugh. that. Treating her, uh, it, it's like she was a very well intentioned emotional abuser. Yeah. Like yeah. constantly keeping tabs on her, needing mm. to know where she was at all times. Uh, guilting her if she didn't behave in specific ways yeah i was i was also going to donate my worst half to taryn's mom were you yeah no i really was we're I was so going on to the say, same I wavelength i can't pick a worse half because on the one hand you have shaw who is this sweet man who has been painted in the media as this violent monster and misdiagnosed and misdiagnosed. Mm. And someone was, you know, being very aggressive with him and threatening his pregnant girlfriend. Yeah. And his Mm -hmm. pregnant girlfriend. And he, he had worked his entire life toward this dream of being in the Olympics. And he Mm -hmm. held all this guilt because of one comment that he made to his brother so he feels like he's somehow responsible for the deaths of all these children right. and he's just like lost everything man has not gotten his dick wet in so long <laughs> <laughs> when dinosaurs roamed the earth he's, yes, he's <laughs> so sweet He's such a good friend. He's a, he's even a good trainer. He's encouraging mm. and lighthearted. Yeah. He, he's just, and then Taryn, she is smart and she lets people be vulnerable with her and she's aware of her own stuff and tries to be vulnerable with other people and she's so hardworking and earnest and I, I can't pick a worse half of the two of them. I don't think we've ever been in a situation where we could not, even when forced, pick the worst half. Yeah. We've I always can't, managed. You, I can't you do guys, it. You guys dragging Taryn's mom uh, reminded me of an opening joke that I wanted to try out about. Oh, yeah? Uh, you want to workshop being, with us? Being a white guy playing devil's advocate. I was going to say that I'll limit myself to three devil, devil's advocates, <laughs> but I can't, uh, I can't even defend Taryn's mom. So I just thought that was funny. Gosh, there was um, one other thing she did that burned my ass. Sorry, I interrupted well, you. Well, no, you're fine. And, and she came through in the end. Um, you know, she she and her her dad came and and uh, I, I think this might have been the epilogue. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, they showed up and they all went to dinner and seemingly buried the hatchet. So that's a nice thing about romances, I, I think. 
I remember what it was. It was her not mansplaining, but layman splaining sociopaths to her daughter who has a doctorate and is a forensic psychologist and saying, you know, oh, like this runs in families. You. He's brainwashed you. It's like, no, mom, this is my area of expertise. Um, he's not, but thank you very much. Um, can I bring the vibe all the way down and talk about my experience with this issue? Yeah. Just because it feels weird to not mention it. Um, on the last day of sixth grade at my school, a student who had been suspended came in and shot a teacher dead. And I didn't realize until years later how that affected me because it wasn't like I was in that classroom. It wasn't like I saw anything. It wasn't like it was multiple victims. Um, What I remember of that day is that I was in gym class because that was my first period that day. And the principal kept coming on the loudspeaker and saying a few words and then stopping. And we didn't know what was going on. This was like at the very beginning of text messaging, I think. Mm -hmm. So people were hearing rumors of what was going on. And it was weird shit. Like, oh, there's like a, a gang coming to like get revenge. Like we had no idea what was going on. No one was telling us what was going on. We were hearing rumors via text messages from people, a bunch of sixth grade kids, just like speculating on what was happening. Mm -hmm. And then I remember that we were moved from the gym after seemingly hours of waiting. We were evacuated to the cafeteria and we were pretty much told to like run. And we didn't know if I didn't know, like, is someone going to be shooting at us as we run? Like, Mm. are there snipers? We had no idea what was going on. Yeah. And there is a moment in the cafeteria where one of the girls who was in the classroom where the shooting happened was crying hysterically, inconsolable. And I'm never, ever, ever going to forget that moment or what she said. And I'm not even going to say it on here because I just, I, I don't want to. Um, and then there was a fence around the school. And when we left, parents were just like clawing at the fence, freaking out, like looking for their children. Um, my mom worked at a bank at the time and she just like fucking bailed. Like, I think my uncle called her and was like, are you watching the news? You have the news on, you need to go to your kid's school. And I I should have known that it really affected me because the summer after sixth grade, I went into my first major depressive episode where I just like completely, like literally lost touch with reality. I had all these weird paranoias and I slept all day and stayed up all night. And it was just like a really bad, bad situation, but I didn't Mm -hmm. connect it at all to the shooting because the day of the shooting, I was coping with humor and I was like mm-hmm. you know I didn't see anything I'm fine right but then every time that there's and you were a just mass a shooting yeah every time that there's a mass shooting which is fucking often mm-hmm. right. I realized like no this had a big effect on me so was this was it difficult for you to read this book it wasn't because I feel like I haven't become desensitized to the issue at all, but it's just like, I've 
stayed angry about the issue for so long mm-hmm. that the idea of, like it is validating to see it portrayed as like you know people want to find solutions to these problems and they are thwarted at every turn mm-hmm. and people don't connect with victims as human beings like people will do anything to like minimize the pain of victims of gun violence up to and including just pretending that it didn't happen and that it was Mm. crisis actors so like no it wasn't really hard for me to read this book i don't know if i don't know if in the other books if there's more of a flashback to the actual shooting if it would be harder for me yeah um i don't know it's a it's a really weird thing because it was like not it it doesn't even feel like my story to tell because i was fine like i was literally fine like i i barely i barely think that it's like a thing that i have any claim to as my issue but it but like it was really fucking scary yeah the panic you felt was for sure real and the effects are real yeah i mean and it's like i feel like in situations like that people are so quick to say well it was only one person and Mm -hmm. you know like it was only one death but obviously here you are like however many hundreds of kids went to that school like remember probably the same thing you're talking about running to the fence you know not knowing what's gonna happen and like seeing parents clamber for the kids like that's absolutely horrifying um and you know it's something that happens like we've said just incredibly far too often Mm -hmm. uh, especially in this country um and it yeah it shouldn't be minimized at all and i I mean thanks for sharing i yeah i I don't know what else to say i'm sorry yeah it's it sucks it's awful i mean i I wish that I, I think about that girl in the cafeteria and I didn't know her. I didn't know anything about her. I feel like I can picture her mm-hmm. and I don't know if that's an accurate memory or not, but I, I do wonder if she's okay now. Yeah. yeah. <sighs> okay. How do we segue from that? <laughs> <laughs> sorry guys no please don't See, apologize this is exactly what i'm talking about like i never think that it's like a thing that affects me until it does yeah yeah of course and no, it's like I... I i know that you feel weird about claiming it as an experience of yours but like that was an event that happened and you were a survivor of that event and things are real if their effects on you are real thank you they are 100 yep i think that it's also weird because i went to school that day because i knew that i was transferring to a different middle school because i had moved during the school year the next year so like a lot of kids don't go to school on the last day Mm -hmm. and i went because it would be the last time that i would see a lot of my friends so i didn't get to i didn't keep in touch with anyone from that school so I didn't have this experience of having people who were there to process it when, right, right, like ever. Yeah, yeah. 
All right. So who was your honorable sizzle? <laughs> <laughs> Whiplash. <laughs> how, how fucking American is that? Like we worked through a goddamn insurrection. It was just yeah. like, oh, yeah. okay, so like, this is just what we're doing. Like the capital is being stormed and we got to keep like sending, keep sending emails. those emails. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So <sighs> oh, keep on trucking. Yeah. Yeah. Jesus. I mean, nobody, nobody from corporate even emailed emailed us about that it was just like no right, we didn't see, have a meeting or anything see you guys at eight <laughs> yeah yeah anyway just, i just so my setup is i have two big computers in my office i have my work computer and then i have my desktop that i got recently and i just put on the live stream of the news on the desktop which i can see from my work computer mm-hmm. and like I, yeah. I didn't get shit done that day no no not at all um i'm I'm just gonna keep it rolling uh what 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 is honorable sizzle can you explain that to me is that just like the hottest scene or Mm -mm. oh happy to explain okay so that's our supporting character not the main two characters who stole the show that you'd like to hear Uh... more about see in more scenes hear more from that's your it's gotta be it's got to be Kincaid, right? For yeah. me, it was. Yeah. yeah. Why Kincaid for you, Ben? Oh, well, she just seemed like a Leo, and obviously I'm a Leo. Uh, <laughs> are you a Leo? So, yeah. You I'm me? a Leo rising. Oh, what's you're your welcome. What's your rising sign? You're welcome. Uh, I believe it's Aries. Um, oh, so do you yeah, have like a I'm secret, a, like I, angry core? Um. Well. Yeah, when I'm doing yard work, sometimes. Um, You're like the I'm... least angry person I know, though. Oh, thank you. The other really Aries nice. who we know is Deanna. Hi, Deanna. And like mm-hmm. Deanna's an Aries. She, hmm. she's she got an angry core. She's got a temper. <laughs> she's got a temper. She's told me about her her high school fights. <laughs> Jeez. Um, I'd like to hear about yeah. that. <laughs> yeah no Kincaid she's funny um I I would say highlight scene for me you know not just like surface level was when she caught Shaw and uh Taryn making out in the hallway and she thought he was attacking uh (laughs) her and was about ready to mace um yeah I like she beat him with her purse yes Mm -hmm. exactly um yeah yeah no I mean Kincaid it seems like the runaway to me but yeah and I'm again I'm sure that was intentional because her her book is the next one in the series but again it's like that Brene Brown thing speaking to me like and it's of course it's it makes sense that the author has a background in in counseling and, and social work because I totally identified with what Kincaid was saying about herself at the end, which is mm-hmm. like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm just an entertaining character, you know, best in small doses. You know, I'm, I'm too much for anybody to handle altogether. I'm like, yeah, I know about that feeling. She stole I, my heart in that moment because yeah. I felt very seen. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So she, your honorable sizzle also. Yeah. Um, if I had to pick someone else, I guess it would be Rivers because yeah, I, I would like to know more about him. Like, I want to see mm. the gay romance with Rivers. Daddy. Daddy. <laughs> so that, that was also one of my favorite scenes where 
Rivers walks in on them and we had learned previously when you know Shaw should have been focusing on his food (laughs) 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 that Rivers had you know lots of boys over in college and that Shaw basically had to like pull the covers up over his head (laughs) get some earplugs stick tissues in his ears yeah Yeah. and when Rivers was making fun of him because he'd walked in on him and Tara and Shaw was like oh don't give me that like daddy like I've been subjected (laughs) to a lot of your sexual exploits yeah apparently there have been many many moods of rivers or many phases of Mm -hmm. his exploration (laughs) that shaw was privy to any if kincaid is it for you too meg do you have anything else other than just the recognition um i like a small bossy woman yeah i for definitely for most of the book I thought that she was a black woman. I don't know really at why. no point. She was she gave me like very much like Reese Witherspoon blonde southern lady vibes. Mm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know why I thought that. Um I don't know. She's she's just a card, you know. She's mm-hmm. uh she just reminds me of the person that I was especially in high school where I'm like just say anything that comes to your mind. Just call it like you that see is it. so it out hard there. to picture. I was pretty obnoxious, so I try not to be that way. Kinkay's not, not obnoxious, and neither, neither are you. Aw, thanks, babe. Welcome. <laughs> so, who did you guys fan cast? Ooh, can I go first? Yes, yes. Okay. So for Taryn, I chose Tiana Paris. Me too. No way. Yes. Oh, I'm so glad I went first. Um, <laughs> no way. You know that I didn't steal. Are it. you watching so, Wandavision? I am not, but I definitely will. She Is was she in Dawn. That? Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh. she's like she the plays third Monica lady. Rambeau, the you know the grown-up version of the daughter of Maria and Carol. Oh, okay. Right. Yes. Tiana um, has two mommies. Mm-hmm. Yes, she does. She was also Dawn Chambers uh, in Mad Men. Um, I, I started reading this book because just based on the cover art, um, I just started reading this book and I'd never for one second imagined in my mind anybody other than Tiana Paris. Mm-hmm. Um, so the rest of my choices are uh, pretty utterly chaotic. Um, oh, I love that. Meg said that you do a Hemsworth for like every white guy with long hair who's hot not uh, you specifically like. not you specifically <laughs> oh, okay, he means sorry. both of us do that like, yeah yeah we have no, an episode y'all. called just add two hemsworths he's so, got a really big bicep my, <laughs> my chaotic shawl is robert pattinson yeah Calls never have response. i ever been a robert pattinson woman have you seen his abs uh since he's batman i know we'll get... i haven't because i'm distracted by the very bad hair choice okay. in batman oh is it okay. bad i think it is is it short it's it's like you know when a guy has like sort of not long but not short straight hair that's kind of limp yes kind of mm. greasy a little snoopish yes. it's flaccid mm. yes flaccid mm. hair they gave him like a flaccid like 
asymmetrical cut. Oh, oh. Anyway, I'm sorry. Uh, I keep interrupting I, you, Ben. No, no, you're fine. I, love I just the like input. I get off on interrupting men. I'm sorry. <laughs> that's fine. That's fine. It, it, and is there I, a romance is, about that particular kink we can read? I feel next? like <laughs> I, I feel like uh, this. You know, you guys picking Shaw. Your pick for Shaw is more important than my pick. I just thought it would be interesting. I feel mm-hmm. like Robert Pattinson has that kind of haunted weight that he could carry. Um, he could do a tortured soul. Mm-hmm. I agree with yes. you on that. Yes. Okay. I don't think the look is right. Okay. Well, that's fine because you know it. The, the book happens in our imagination, and this is what I imagine uh, him you to look like. You imagine him to be compact yet strong. Hmm. Yeah, Mean-string. but still. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Sure. Okay, and then my next, <laughs> my next chaotic pick. Um, you know what? I'll do Kincaid first, and then uh, I don't know if you, how, how deep. No, I did not do Reese Witherspoon. Meg, you're gonna hate this for Kincaid. I chose Kat Dennings. She dyed that hair blonde. You know Give what? me Kat Dennings. Kat Dennings, who's also in Wandavision. Yes. Are we? Are Wait, we in know? each other's heads right now? Do you have my notes? Right no, because I. Because I thought like yeah, Kat Dennings would be good in this, but she, but I picture like a blonde. Well, she can, and I don't want to do blonde. two people from no. the same show. She can't go well, blonde. That's wrong. Sure, she wrong. can. You guys are. Crazy. I think that's a good pick. I like that. Thank that's you. Gaslighting Liz. us. I appreciate it. What, Liz? I'm not gaslighting both of you. Just you. <laughs> um, We're both gaslighting spouse. Meg. <laughs> so Meg, what are you talking about? This is an excellent pick. The last one, uh, the last person that I cast for Rivers, can you tell me why Riz Ahmed can't be Rivers? Do you guys know Riz Ahmed? Oh, he's cute. Yeah. He's very cute. Um, and I just love him. And I wanted to wiggle away uh, to cast him in this There's movie. no good reason he can't be. I you agree. could just pick him because you like Riz Ahmed and want to yeah. put him in something. There you go, Riz. Call me, buddy. Have him put something in you. Got some work for you. Oh, okay. That's fine. I'm sorry. You can cut that out, man. I won't. I'm I'm spicy tonight. We're going to leave that in. Um, And I'm done. Just like Grizz. (laughs) (laughs) um, I'm done. I didn't cast anybody else, but those are my, the four main characters that I, that I had to have. Meg, do you want to go next since Ben and I have some overlap? Sure. I'm not like incredibly proud of mine. Like sometimes I'm like really proud of them. But so for the, okay, here's why I'm not proud. The ages, the age ranges are not correct. Like they're on the wrong timelines with each other. But so I'm just gonna say that now. So for Taryn, I wanted to cast Amanda Seals. Yeah. They talk about how she's got this raspy voice. She's super smart, but also sexy and can be funny. And we, we see her do the full range of things insecure. Um, so I love her. And then for Shaw, I cast Lucas Till, who is the star of the recently revamped MacGyver series. <laughs> I have no idea if he could act. Never. So he's available. <laughs> But yeah, he's available. <laughs> but he's got the look of what I imagine, like the blonde sort of long hair. And he's so that's that. Not super proud of that one. 
And then for Rivers, who's my only other character I cast, I have Brian Jordan Alvarez, who ah. is Instagram famous. He is also in the uh, revamp of Will and Grace. He is just really, really funny. I think it works. He could do Texas he's, for sure. He's hilarious. Yeah, he's got that southern, yeah, southern twang. That's that for me. Nice. So for me, I landed on Tiana Paris, like we mentioned, for Taryn, but she wasn't my first pick. I just happened to have just watched the new episode of WandaVision and she started filling that character for me and I realized that she would be really good in that role. Mm -hmm. But previously I had thought that maybe Yaya DaCosta. Oh, okay. So um, She's an actress who was previously on America's Next Top Model. Yeah. So she, I had pictured her at first for um, my requisite CW pick. <laughs> I would cast for Shaw, Stephen Amell. He played Oliver Queen, the green arrow in arrow. And he was on American Ninja Warriors oh. special guest. And he did, he did the whole thing and on Arrow, he's very famous for doing the salmon ladder on Arrow. Like there are compilations ladder. on YouTube of like all salmon ladder scenes on Arrow. I have no idea what you're talking about. Okay. There's a salmon ladder. So a salmon ladder is imagine a pull-up bar uh-huh. with levels. Okay. What you do is that you start at the lowest level and then you lift up and you jump up you to the next your, level yeah. like you're jumping up the stream okay yeah i so, i'm looking up a, at a picture of him and i think that works yeah i can definitely see this so he's who i would pick for shaw because he has played very tortured very traumatized and in real life he's really funny mm-hmm. and i feel like shaw naturally is a really funny lighthearted guy who has had that beaten out of him by life right yeah and then uh very solid so so for rivers i wanted to find like a good himbo character actor (laughs) uh someone who's really pretty who's jacked or could get jacked and who is self-aware enough and good enough of an actor and intellectual enough that he could convincingly portray like head empty no thoughts (laughs) but very lovable and so i landed on donald glover now i never watched him in community but to confirm that he can play a himbo i watched a compilation of him on community i'm like oh yeah he can do head empty no thoughts god love him um (laughs) and you know he's just like so fucking talented and he should be in everything so donald glover for river rivers and then for kincaid i did want someone who would strike me as like a reese witherspoon type so i went with aj michalka arguably the less famous michalka sister of ali and aj fame yeah okay okay and then i cast taryn's parents and this one's gonna be a weird one. Ooh. okay okay so for Taryn's mom, who desperately needs an actress who could make her a more sympathetic character. Yeah. I chose, and I meant to Google the pronunciation. I am sorry if I'm butchering this. Adjoa 
Ando, who played um, Lady Danbury in Bridgerton. <gasps> oh. oh, yeah. And then I was trying to find Cajun actors or Southern actors in their 50s. And I don't know why this is the person that I've landed on. <laughs> And he's not even Southern, he's Canadian. But Keanu Reeves. What? I don't know why. I can't defend it. I can't explain it. I just... For Terrence's dad? Yeah, Keanu Reeves. It's Keanu Reeves. They're about the same age. I know that he's ageless. Yeah, she's 58, he's 56. He's just, like, ageless. So, you know... I it's Keanu Reeves. Don't don't, <laughs> don't make me you. explain it. <laughs> don't That's fine. I love Keanu Reeves. We can spin off. I, I, I was also thinking maybe Matrix. Sean Penn because Sean Penn could play like a grizzled Cajun man. Okay, but, this is the most chaotic casting. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay. All right. Okay. All right. I'm gonna try to recover from that. Okay. All right, so I think all that's left now is to bring our hobbies in. So, Benno, did you have a, a hobby to contribute? I did. I thought I could make a Spotify playlist. Um, I guess my hobby would be music. I collect um, records, vinyl, albums. Um, and this, I feel like music was kind of a prevalent um I don't know, theme, uh, a motif uh, yeah. within this book. Um, just that some of the songs that they mentioned, uh, Angel by Sarah McLaughlin, the um, mm. ASPCA song. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Islands in the Stream, obviously. They mentioned Susudio um, by uh, Phil Collins and Genesis, uh, which I love. Um, but the, there were some other ones, like he's, I think he's working out to Pearl Jam. Uh, mm-hmm. They've got a great song, Once, that I, I think I could throw on there. Um, and I've, I've just been listening to a ton of Rihanna. I listened to every single song she released the other day and, um, cockiness, I feel like is just a great cunnilingus song, um, for any, um, playlist. So uh, I put that on <laughs> Add as well. to Spotify. <laughs> uh, I will, I, I, I'll send you guys the link that you can put it in there. Um, if, if that's cool, yeah. um, if you feel so inclined, but I, I've got some other songs on there as well very nice Sweet. we will include that in the show notes so i always do a recipe or food recommendation so it seems like in a lot of the romances we read margaritas are mentioned so <laughs> i've already done one margarita recipe we'll link that again but the other thing that stood out to me was at the the tipsy hound where they often frequent they have bowls of potato chips for snacking on while you're drinking your margaritas and your beers so i have a drinking snack chip recommendation which is zaps voodoo kettle chips Mm. which will tie into her cajun dad i guess yeah they're just like they're super crunchy super salty and they're like a little tart sour too Mm. they're just mm, chef's kiss that's what you should be munching on while you're drinking your beer and you're reading this book very nice. All right. So Liz, what would you like me to to do over here? I'm shuffled. Okay. So Mega has the Golden Girls tarot deck. And um, I would like you to just shuffle it and then cut it three times. Okay. 
These are amazing, by the way. Oh, I'm so glad you like them. Can I have them in my the, Amazon cart. This is what the back of them look like. Ooh. They're like teal with some palm fronds. They're very, very art deco. Very oh, I love it. Okay. All right. We've got three piles here. Okay. Um, I'm going to say do the three cards from the left pile. Okay. And the first one will be for Taryn, the second one for Shaw, and the third one for Advice. All right. Ben, do you want to pick a fourth card? Yeah, do uh, do one from the middle. Okay. All right. All right. Ready so for Taryn's? Yep. Knight of Cups. Knight of Cups. Okay. So the Knight of Cups makes me think of a message of love and her whole job is a labor of love for her sister and she's trying to put out a message in the world that if we love people that that doesn't sound right that's very minimizing what it actually is but like it's she has a compassionate approach to isolating people who could who are vulnerable and could become violent and that yes to me feels like an act of love so I think that she's someone who's very focused, comes from a very wholehearted, heart-centered place in her work. Mm-hmm. And she is a message of love to Shaw because she shows him that he is worthy of love, that he is not broken, that this is something that is possible for him. Mm-hmm. All right. So then for Shaw, we have Queen of Cups. Ah, uh, well, he's like, he's a big softy. He's very sensitive and he has a lot of emotions that he needs to deal with. I feel like he's in the beginning of the book in the shadow side of that, where he believes himself to be this irrational, angry, unstable person who, you know, there was this moment where he said that he didn't want to inflict himself on Taryn. Mm-hmm. He didn't want to mm-hmm. inflict his genes on a baby and that was just like heart-wrenching so i think that he is on this emotional journey where he needs to learn he has so much love to give and he also wants to receive it and that's their whole relationship they both have been deprived in many ways taryn by her parents shaw by the world by his own parents who he hasn't talked to in a long time so that that's what i see with him it's all about him learning how to receive love for reference the artwork on this queen of cups card is betty white as rose (laughs) in golden girls sitting on a throne a very art deco throne holding a big chalice i really like how this from what i read that each golden girl gets her own suit Mm -hmm. do you agree with the suit uh assignments I don't think I'm versed enough in tarot to really say. That's fine. So I think that, um, so obviously Rose is cups. I think um, Blanche is pentacles, which I feel like the argument could have been made to make her wands or cups. And then swords is Dorothy. That one's dead on. And then wands is um, Sophia. She's fiery, so that works, but... Could have all, I, I guess because Blanche is very sensual that pentacles are also yeah. about like being earthy. 
All right. So for the, do you want this one to be the advice card still? Mm-hmm. Okay. That's temperance and it's Betty White is Rose pouring a glass of lemon water on the lanai. Oh, that's so nice. <laughs> okay. Temperance is this one's a tricky card for me because I've never really connected with it. And I think it's because I need to connect with it. And it's about balance. Um, in the uncommon tarot, it's called alchemy. Hmm. And that might be a better way to look at it for these characters because they are taking their past experiences and creating something new and better together. Mm. So I think the advice for them would be to be patient with themselves and also focus on what good they can create from their trauma. Yeah. And then for the fourth card, I, I don't know what we can call this one. It's like a bonus card. Let's see. Maybe we can apply it to the group of friends. Okay. I like Ooh, that. Four friends. <laughs> King of Cups. And it is. Uh... Oh, wait. No, that's not Stanley. That's. Um... I think it's Arthur. He, I believe, dated Rose. Okay. King of Cups. Oh, gosh. So the King of Cups is emotional intelligence, where the Queen of Cups is kind of like nurturing maternal energy. The King of Cups to me is like enlightened um, mastery over your emotions, uh, compassionate leadership. And they all are in their own ways, compassionate leaders who are using their experiences to try to create some good in the world. And I think that they all understand each other really well. So they have an understanding of each other's emotions, a mastery of each other's emotions and what the other person is, the other people in the group are going through. Mm-hmm. So I think that that card is good to see when it comes up for their connection. Yeah. Thank you, Liz. Thank that you, Meg. Thing. That's incredibly impressive that you Thank can just you. do that so on command. It's yeah. like being bilingual. Thank you. I'm that too. <laughs> trilingual. <laughs> well, I'll try ben, anything lingual. That's very Samantha of you. Yes, I was going to say the same thing. <laughs> very Samantha Jones. Okay, well, Benno, thank you for joining us. Thank for, you so for much. Being our, our edgy guest and for being the token male that we've had on here. Anytime Our token white guy. A, anytime you need a swinging dick, you know, I'm <laughs> just a phone Good call God. away. On a serious note, I do want to say something, since this was a, a serious book, I just yeah. want to say to the 10% of Make Out Already, which by the way, is just an incredible podcast name. So bravo to both of you for that as well. Um, to the 10% of guys, you know, don't, that are, that are listening, don't be afraid to talk to somebody. I guess this could go for anybody, but especially... Uh, men of a certain age um, don't be afraid to talk to somebody don't be there's no shame in going to therapy uh, there's no shame in admitting that you need help or that you that you have things that are are troubling to you um, so just talk to people uh, and, and show love to to those who seek it and um, those that rely on it from you so oh thank you Ben no problem thank you guys so much for having me this like I said this was a lot of fun I enjoyed it Tell me something about soccer real quick. Plug your favorite so- team. 
Oh, okay. Yeah, sure. Uh, Manchester City are top of the Premier League. That's my favorite team. Um, got the best defense in Europe. Uh, only giving up 13 goals in league. John Stones and Ruben Diaz are just absolutely incredible at center back. Um, and they got a big test tomorrow against Liverpool. Uh, if they if they either draw or win, they're going to be sitting in in pretty good shape to win another Premier League title. So all right. So when you're listening in the future, you'll know. <laughs> you know it's already outcomes. It has already happened. It has already happened. The most sports we've ever ever had. Was that like, Probably was that ever like, will have. Maybe one day we'll read a sports romance. Ooh. I did read one, actually. Oh, yes, you did. Um, I think it's when it's just us or when it's only us. I'll have to look that up. But it was a soccer one. But you like that one. Yeah, it was good. All right. So uh, we will have links to everything in the show notes, to the recipes, the tarot deck that we use, Ben's Spotify playlist. Make sure that you follow us on Instagram at makeoutalreadypod and on Twitter at makeout underscore already. There are tweets there. I didn't put them there. Uh, (laughs) You can email us at makeoutalready at gmail.com if you have any requests for books that you would like us to read or if you want to have us on your podcast like that's cool like i'm down i know how to use zoom now and uh yeah there was one other thing i wanted to say fuck oh yeah please rate us five stars on apple Podcasts because it helps people find us Yay, good job, Liz. And we really want to get that cast for mattress money one day. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Thank you guys so much for listening. Thank you all. Thank you all for listening. Until next time. Air kisses. Mwah. 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 <laughs>